This episode of R2 Gaming is brought to you by no one, again, but it could be brought to you by you. If you don't mind us telling exactly what we think about everything we talk about. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of R2 Gaming, gaming with the right perspective. I'm John. I'm Bryn. And I'm Abe. And we're here again in the basement studio in Colorado Springs. So every week we'll try and cover what we've been playing, industry and community news, and we'll have a featured review or similar piece of content to keep you guys entertained. So first and foremost this week, I want to say thanks for the feedback from our listeners. So specifically, uh, user slash UA Dolphin. He was really kind and wrote to us this week. Yeah, thanks, man. So if you guys want to leave us uh, listener feedback or comments or anything like that, you can leave feedback via our submission form on rtg.squarespace.com, on our subreddit, which is slash r slash r2 underscore gaming, or direct message at r2 underscore gaming on Reddit. So right off the bat, what we've been playing. This week, I played a game, a terrifying game from the people who made Amnesia, The Dark Descent. Uh, it's called Soma, and there's no com- uh, there's no combat in this game whatsoever. Hmm. It's a okay. it's like this terrifying visceral experience. You play this kid who has a traumatic brain injury, and he goes into like this MRI machine, and then he is thrown 400, 500 years into the future into this uh, space station that's been taken over by aliens, and it's really really compelling. Uh, something that I find with Amnesia games is like the time that leads up to the first time you die in the game is the most stressful thing, because you're like, what what is going to happen to my character? This is terrifying. And it's kind of like the first time the game actually kills you, you're like, all right, I got that out of the way. I can, I can explore this game a little more. It, 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 it's really, really engrossing. And, and I don't know, it feels like one of the truest natures of video games. You know, like, you die, you start again. I don't know, I, I really enjoyed that. Very cool. What's the platform? So it's on PC. I think Amnesia games are only come out on PC. It's made by Frictional Games, and I think they're a PC-only developer. Okay, cool. Um, it's the first game they've made since Amnesia, which kind of set the bar for uh, for horror games, for terrifying experiences, uh, back in like 2011 or 2012. And, uh, and I really liked it. I was very pleased. Uh, I've still been playing more Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Gosh, what a gorgeous game. Still nothing to advance the storyline in any meaningful way. But, uh, but I'm, I'm really enjoying it because it's the, the combat in the game is truly visceral. It's a lot of square tapping, but the, uh, the takedowns, you know, the assassinations, like the number of times I go, ooh, in that game when you kill somebody, <laughs> it's really, really high. So that alone has, has kind of validated that, that acquisition in my mind. Does it have that same kind of visceral feel of um, uh, Last of Us? Yes. Combat? That's a great comparison. Like it uh, will incorporate the... Uh, the environment into combat so if you're standing near like the the edge of a building you will smash that person's face into the side of it i i just i don't know what it says about me that i enjoy that game so much but it's really really good been keeping plugging away at fallout 4 even though i've had the story ruined for me i don't know what it is every time a bethesda game comes out people take great pleasure in ruining the story of the game and i don't know if it's specific to bethesda titles or what but people like taking that away like it, it's kind of disheartening, and it happened to my brother too. Like this, he met this kid in real life who was playing the game, and he totally ruined the ending for him. And I was a little oh, proud. Oh, that stinks. Yeah, I was proud of how he reacted because he basically like barred this kid from his life. He's like, <laughs> no, that's not cool that you ruined the game for me. I don't know if we're friends anymore. <laughs> so, so the stakes are uh, are pretty high there. Um, I've still been playing away at that. That. Uh, 10 Legendary Guns video absolutely reignited my desire to play the game. Uh, you know, it gave me access to a sniper rifle with a silencer. That That's just that, the key. That doesn't wear out. No, it, 
It really does. <laughs> and it's funny because I enjoy what Fallout does with you know with that more than games that are actually primarily about sniping. So there's you know that series Sniper Elite, and there's like three of them in there, and all it is is long distance sniper encounters. Yeah. And um and they have like this great slowdown cam. You can see the bullet like travel through the body of people and like where it will come out. You can explode their testicles if you get it at just the right angle. But it's it's well, not enough. You know, just random sniper encounters. So I don't know, like Fallout 4 really holding together for me. It's got a lot of different notes, like a good uh, good meal. Got yeah. lots of different different flavors in there. That's good. Yeah. Keep things well rounded. Brings it together. Alright, what have you been playing, Bryn? This week, I've been playing a lot of Fallout 4, um, a little bit of Assassin's Creed Syndicate, and uh, a game you probably haven't heard of for a little while, Bloodborne. I must preface talking about Fallout 4 saying that I did not have huge hopes for it. I hated Fallout 3, I hated the gun durability in the game, I thought it was too hard to find ammo and healing items, and after about an hour or two of playing it, I just I couldn't play it anymore and I stopped playing it. And so when I saw Fallout 4 was coming out, I didn't have the highest expectations, and it has blown me away. I've spent at least 60 hours in the last two weeks alone playing this game. And there are so many things that I've enjoyed about it so far. Uh, First of all being that I loved the intro. One of the things that uh, really peeved me about Fallout 3 was how long and how confusing the intro slash tutorial, whatever you want to call it, uh, was. It took me so long to get through it the first time. Um, it was just really frustrating, and you have to go through it every time you create a new character. So when I played, you know, I put in Fallout 4, and it was, you know, I was done in 10 minutes with everything, I really was really refreshed by that. It was nice to be done with the tutorial and on to actually playing the game so quickly. And that uh, that leads me into, um, I really enjoy what they've done with the perk trees. I think that it's way better than what we had in Fallout 3. And I think it really affects the gameplay. I think that some of the options you have there are really unique and really different. Something you haven't really seen before. Like, uh, you get a perk that lets you deal extra damage when you shoot things and they explode in blood and gore. Which is a pretty useless perk, but it's just something different, you know, something unique, something kind of funny, that I personally thought added quite a bit to the game. And something else that added to the game for me is the attention to detail. It is so great in this uh, this world. You know, you, you walk around, and uh, one the experience that I can easily pull from is the mission that uh, takes you to Backstreet Apparel, the, uh, the kind of raider stronghold. And uh, I cleared the place out, and I went up and was exploring, looking for loot, and uh, I come across this bathtub with a skeleton in it uh, and a toaster. And I think that, you know, things like that add a lot to the atmosphere. It's a... Uh, it's kind of a, I guess you could look at it morbid. I personally found it kind of funny in kind of a, a cynical kind of way. But I just, it's little things like that. The attention to detail, like I was saying, is huge. And I I personally love it. Which is uh, it's kind of all I want to talk about with Fallout 4 for now. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure we've talked about it plenty. Um, so why don't I talk about a little bit of of the Assassin's Creed uh, Syndicate I've been playing. I've never gotten really into Assassin's Creed, which I'm sure is going to get me crucified. <laughs> I just it didn't kind of grab me. The whole premise never really grabbed me, which is unfortunate because now that uh, I've actually tried Assassin's Creed and Assassin's Creed Syndicate, uh, I really, really like the way it plays. Specifically Syndicate. I enjoy 
the new perk trees in that as well. And I like I enjoyed in Fallout 4. I think that they give you some new interesting choices. I like the idea of two, a female and a male character. I personally will be playing the female character mostly. If I'm going to follow something around for hours on end, it better be female. <laughs> um, but what this game uh, kind of feels like to me, it feels like what the Order 1886 wanted to be. Uh, it has the uh, the motif and it's done it very well and it kind of makes me feel for the uh, the order because of how short of a game and what a flop it was but now you see it done well with assassin's creed syndicate and it really makes for a fun gameplay experience now i can't really talk a whole bunch about it because i haven't played all that much maybe 10 hours of it but i have been playing a lot of bloodborne uh, given that the new DLC came out, I have tried to kind of catch up and get back into it. Um, I play with my friend, uh, he and I have been trying to work through the bosses together, and we're just having a really great time. Something that I hope they added in the new DLC that was kind of a problem with me for the starting game is a lot more weapons, because it felt like you had really limited choices um, as to what you could use effectively uh, in this game. You know, it kind of you, you end up getting whittled down to two or three choices with good movesets and good damage, and the rest of it just ends up being your skills. So I hope that they kind of pull a little bit from the uh, Dark Souls universe in that regard, and maybe just make some more generic weapons, just something to kind of liven up the world, give you some options, because it feels very forced right now in that regard. But I have personally been a huge Souls fan forever, and I think Bloodborne is a great addition. I like the uh, the way it plays without you know, being able to block. Um, that was kind of a handicap, I thought, uh, in Dark Souls, was just being able to block, because if you built up, you could block anything and never take any damage. But now you have to kind of dance around, and it requires a little bit more tension, makes for a lot more stressful scenarios. It makes you feel the boss fights quite a bit more, because you can't just sit behind your shield, you gotta move around, and if you get caught out, it's a problem, and you take a lot of damage. But those are uh, those are kind of the games I've been playing uh, this week. I've taken great joy in Fallout and Bloodborne, and who knows? We'll see. Uh, we'll see if I can get into Assassin's Creed a little bit more. I'll try to play that too. All right. So, Abe, what have you been playing this week? Well, I got to play one of my uh, childhood favorites of uh, Gauntlet, the Slayer edition nice. that came out on <laughs> PS Plus, um, and I gotta say that version of the game. I tried to play the remake of Gauntlet when mm -hmm. it came out on Steam uh, a few years ago, and it was just so frustrating to try to go from arcade controls to uh, keyboard controls. Oh, yeah. And uh, it makes the transition to console controls much better, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, I thought the controls were a lot easier. Uh, I got that feel of moving through the game world a lot better. I love the graphics. They kept the the kind of quippy little comments when you shoot the food. They they make it more clear who did it so, okay. <laughs> so that you can't, like, hide in the mass chaos. You can assign um, blame properly. Yes, so, so you always kind of wince when you hear the quick little elf shot the food. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's everything that you hoped for in a remake. You got nice graphics. You got the same sort of game. You got the same sort of gameplay. And uh, it's perfect. 
aspects, it's everything that Battlefront wasn't, oh, you know? Yeah. Uh, which brings me to, I have been slogging away trying to do some Battlefront. I've been playing with my wife, who loves um, nice. uh, Battlefront games. <laughs> and uh, the two of us were playing the other day, and she said, can we do the levels where you capture bases? Mm. And I said... <laughs> No. Didn't and she said, well, okay, well, let's do the one where you go from planet to planet fl- fighting the battles. Oh, and I said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then she asked me, well, PlayStation 4 is getting the backwards compatibility, right? Can you find a copy of Battlefront 2 on Amazon? <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> so that is on its way. And uh, I think uh, the newest Battlefront is headed for mothballs at this yeah. point, unfortunately. Well, the sales numbers for that are really down. Like, yeah. that, that's kind of the, the resounding industry news. And um, it's funny, I've seen more emails in my inbox from EA trying to get me to buy Battlefront this week than any other title from them. Like, yeah. you can really tell that they're missing sales goals with that. And, uh, and it's a shame that that's what has to happen, like, for these games to get better. Like, people have to lose out. And the really sad thing is that somebody will probably lose their job over it. Like, this game was delivered in a condition that's not in line with what people expect. And uh, and heads will roll over it. And it's a shame that EA is that way. Yeah. It's the world we live in. Yeah. So, uh, the last thing I've been playing, Destiny the Taken King, of course. All right. So, yeah. So that leads us into our new weekly segment, Abe's Destiny Corner. All right. So this week in Destiny, I was super pumped to get I'm a Go Loop. Nice. And I got it from the Restorative Mind Strike. Okay. If you are unaware, I'm a Go Loop is a strike-specific loot that drops. It's a uh, legendary hand cannon and... If you've been missing out on your fate bringer love, <laughs> here it is again. If you get the right uh, perks to mm-hmm. roll for you, you can ha- actually have a uh, fate bringer clone, which has uh, Firefly, all the things that we've come to expect, and then it is uh, an identical model and an identical handling to fate bringer, uh, which uh, kind of makes up for the fact that they took. That delicious, delicious gun from us. The only thing it lacks, of course, is the arc damage. Uh, but yeah. well, there, I'll, there I'll are other primaries it. that can that can make up for uh, arc damage. Yeah, I noticed you using that in this week's Nightfall, and you were like one-shotting these uh, these shanks left and right. It was taking three and four shots from uh, from Hung Jury to finish them off, and I was like, "What are you using?" Because <laughs> you're just <laughs> and they're evaporating. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, that that's awesome. Uh, what else have you been doing in Destiny? Uh, I've uh, been working on my exotic sword quest. Nice. I, uh, the Iron Banner was kind to me, and I was able to get my seemingly never-ending uh, guardian kills yeah. uh, completed. And uh, uh, now I'm on to the part of gathering uh, legendary resources. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's uh, and lots and lots and lots of... Uh, uh, Ability kills. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, Is it I. Five hundred. It's five hundred ability kills, and uh, you have to collect somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred resources. Oh my gosh. Uh, it it hides that mm-hmm. by by displaying it in percentiles. Okay. And uh, the uh, the resources it shows in uh, 
uh, you get legendary resources basically okay. after ten or twelve collections of common resources. Okay. So you only have to collect ten of those. But even so, I'm looking forward to uh, finishing it and getting the legendary swords, the or the exotic swords. Uh, the swords are one of my favorite additions to the game, and yeah. and getting to have the ones that shoot a giant wave of death <laughs> out of them is going to be even better. Yeah, um, you saved our bacon multiple times in this week's Nightfall again, like. I kind of jumped on your back at a few points right there because <laughs> you pulled out the uh, the void sword, and uh, and we're one shot in captains left and right. So yeah, do you have all three? I do. I have all three. <laughs> a sword for every flavor. <laughs> yes. Well, that comes from the burden of running three different characters. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, you have everything that you need. Yeah. At your disposal. Yeah. The nice thing with it is the uh, once you have all three, you can purchase them from okay. uh, Lord. Uh, Shacks nice. for a uh, paltry 25 legendary marks. Wow. So you can outfit all three characters with all three swords without having to transfer around. Yeah. Anyway, that's my two bits nice. on uh, this week's Destiny's Corner. All right. So under our news segment and new releases. So this week, Just Cause 3. It's a cross-platform oh. pl- yeah. <laughs> pl- uh, release coming out on all three major systems. Uh, and... Again, I'm starting to feel like broken record here. Massive issues on PC at launch. Yeah. Uh, There was a brutal video from PC Gamer comparing the load times of the PC version of of Just Cause 3 to the Xbox One version. So the PC version loads. This thing it does do well. It loads very quickly. Whereas on the Xbox One, uh, the, the video was a minute and a half long. And it did not finish loading on Xbox no. One. It was the loading screen the entire time. No, the player had actually gone through and completed an objective yeah. <laughs> in the time that the Xbox was yeah. loading. Still, still going at it. So that that one's been on uh, some game of the year lists, which I thought was a little premature. But we'll uh, we'll see where that ends up. Uh, also out this week is Xenoblade Chronicles X. So this one's from uh, the Xenogears creators, and this game was actually localized by Eight uh, Four Plate. So they're an American company that they live in Japan mm-hmm. and they do a weekly podcast about uh, how do they describe it? Games, Japan, and Japanese games, and uh, it's very it's a cool perspective because you get you know this ground eye view of what it's like to be an American living in Japan, and, uh, and I, I, interesting. I, I enjoy their perspective. Uh, definitely give them a listen if you guys enjoy us. You will definitely enjoy them. Give them the name again. That's eight four play. All right. As in the number eight dash the number four and then play so here i was ready to slam square with a missing in action report and then just today just this morning they released a trailer for the final fantasy 7 uh remake uh and it's a gameplay trailer it looks so good the graphics are on point and they showed that um a lot of people were concerned that they weren't going to have the humor of the final fantasy game in this uh in this trailer and they do. The humor is present. It's there. Uh, they got the voice of the guy who does Badger from Breaking Bad to be one of the uh, comical characters. <laughs> nice. So it, it's really, really looking like it's shaping up well. It just came out this morning. I'm going to watch it again and pour over it. The Reddit comments, I don't even know how to interpret it because every time they put out something that people like, there's always a group of people that will be perpetually dissatisfied. And those people showed up in the comments. And I don't know. Like I think this is going to be a great, great thing. And, uh, and I'm excited for it. You know, comments be damned. Yeah. My fear with uh, uh, all Final Fantasy g- games at this point is mm-hmm. the uh, ever-present cutscene burn. Uh, it got so bad, I finally quit playing Final Fantasy games. Yeah. Uh, they had so many of them. So if they manage to avoid that, 
uh, I will look forward to playing that one again. Yeah, if it's more game than movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right, so also this week, Nintendo's next console, so it's codenamed NX right now. Mm. Every Nintendo console has a codename in development. Yeah. Um, just as of yesterday, news came out that it's going to use cloud computing to increase game performance. So what that means, like in normal person speak, is that uh, you can tell your console, I don't want to play right now, but you can go out to the internet and use your processor to make other people's games run faster and run prettier. And it's an interesting way of them putting out a less powerful product, which means a cheaper product for consumers. And then it allows uh, consumers to also get Nintendo currency. So if you say, I'm not going to play my console for, you know, the 12 hours while I'm asleep, you can go out and and help people uh, with their games. You will get, like, Nintendo coins or some other Nintendo-based currency, and then you can use that on, like, their web shop or something and buy, like, characters in Smash Brothers. And, um... What else? That's that's uh, really cool. It's a way of... Uh... Well, it's kind of uh, an interesting way of addressing the question. So people have wondered, you know, the next generation of consoles, PlayStation 5, Xbox, and, and whatnot, um, are they going to use physical media, or are they just going to be, you know, cloud-based streaming devices? You know, yeah. will all games be held on, you know, whatever company's servers, and then just piped over to, uh, to these things? And this is uh, an interesting kind of take on that you know they'll they'll put some of that cloud uh, distributed power on the users and um and I, I i'm curious to see you know what playstation and xbox come up with you know no. we haven't heard anything about you know these next consoles we're almost three years in to this current console cycle yeah all right also this week sony unlocked the seventh ps4 uh, cpu core so for additional yeah. processing power this signifies a few things so number one it signifies that Sony's probably done with what they're going to do with the um, the PlayStation 4 operating system. Yes. They're not going to introduce a whole lot more functionality. They're opening up that 7 CPU core to developers for either more graphical power, more computational power. So we're probably going to see prettier games. And um, That'd be nice. Yeah, Xbox still has a couple cores locked out right now, I think, but Microsoft is not giving those up. They're not giving the developers the power. So we'll see, you know, what what happens with that. Also this week, Konami, the makers of Metal Gear Solid Five, yes. they stated there is a secret in-game event. So mm-hmm. in Metal Gear Solid Five, you there's a base defense component. You build your base, and you can have the ultimate defense for that base in having a nuclear weapon. So the in-game event for this is when the total number of nuclear weapons in the game drops to zero. When everybody disarms their nukes, this secret in-game event will happen. And uh. It's really been interesting to see. There are groups that are devoted to making nuclear weapons now and keeping everybody from getting that thing, and groups that are devoted to disarming nuclear weapons. So it doesn't require that you're online for this to happen. So some dude in Alaska who never turns his game on is not going to ruin this for everybody. He could be in uh, Okay. <laughs> but uh, it's just, that's a very Kojima thing. Like, what would the world be like if there were no nuclear weapons? <laughs> Solid Snake is going to go around giving everyone flowers and yeah. prancing around. That's going to be awesome. I want to see that. That has become, like, the angle of the Metal Gear Solid games. Like, initially, um, the uh, the games were very tactical and military-esque. You know, they were focused on nuclear weapons. And in the past, oh, maybe seven or eight years, they become very, like, anti-nuke. Like, very, you know, world peace and uh, that, that's kind of odd to me. But we'll see if this, this can actually ever happen. 
Um, some of the console versions, like the Xbox 360 and PS3 versions, they're down to like 30 nukes left. Like, they're like chugging towards this event. Alright, uh, well, never give uh, gamers a challenge. They, w- <laughs> they will find a way to complete. Yeah, it's just, it's really cool to see, you know, that they, they've activated the community in a way that, you know, there are people that just, it's almost like a chaotic evil component. They just want to, uh, to see the world burn and keep the nukes proliferating. <laughs> And uh, keep this from ever happening. People are horrible. (laughs) Bottom line, some people are terrible. Alright, so that brings us to the end of our news segment. We're going to take a a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about this year's Game of the Year 2015 winners. Alright, welcome back to R2 Gaming. Gaming from the right perspective. So, this week we're going to discuss the uh, winners of the 2015 Game of the Year awards. So, first up, right off the bat, was The Witcher 3. The Witcher 3 came from CD Projekt Red. They're a... Dutch developer, I want to say. And it was made for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And something that was unique about this game was all the DLC for the game was free. It was like 30 hours of content, totally free, given up front. And I think that kind of led into the next award. So, Best Developer of the Year was given to CD Projekt Red. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think they earned that one because, you know, they, they show that we don't have to live in a world of $60 season passes for DLC. Yeah. Like, we can, we can still get you know, a little bit extra with what we're paying up front. Well, now, this was the game that you, uh, and the developer that you called for, for, uh, best game of the year. Yeah. And, uh, so, hats off <laughs> to you, sir, for well, a top-of-the-notch prediction. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous game, and it's epic in scale. I think it will stand, it will stand the test of time. You know, it's very moddable on PC, and the story just goes and goes, and yet it remains compelling. Well, I had to pick it up since uh, Sony did its uh, uh, Game of the Year uh, discounts. Nice. So picked it up for half off, and very I'm cool. looking forward to playing it. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a very enjoyable title. All right, so best in the shooter and multiplayer experience category. This this title took both of those, and I don't know if you're as surprised as I am, but Splatoon from Nintendo, only on Wii U, won best shooter of the year. I'm really surprised. Yeah. And the only way I can think to explain that, like, the only possible explanation in my mind that exists, is they didn't want to give it to a yearly franchise. They didn't want to give it to, you know, the yearly Call of Duty or Battlefield title. They wanted to give it to somebody that at least attempted to do something original, and in this case, the only people to attempt to do something original in the shooter category was Splatoon. And yeah. that, I don't know what that says about the world of shooters, like, where we are right now with those titles, but that... Yeah, as as much as I love Destiny, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's not particularly new. I mean, the the mechanics of Destiny, you know, the the Mm -hmm. gameplay that's that's where it's rock solid at. Mm -hmm. They're they're. I don't know that the story of Splatoon would be better than Destiny. Like, if story is you know the defining feature, I don't know why Destiny couldn't win over that. Yeah, Uh, because Splatoon isn't redefining genres with its story, but. Novelty is uh, is in high high regard right now. Yes, always. All right. Speaking of novelty, the best action game of this year was Metal Gear Solid Five. So it was developed by Konami. Came out on uh, pretty much every console that exists right now and PC. Um, it, it actually came out on PC the same day as consoles, and it had very very few issues, like solid um, PC launch. And, and I was really really happy to hear that because Metal Gear Solid Five, that. That's been a troubled title. It's yeah. a title that um, divorced Konami from Kojima, and if you finish Metal Gear Solid Five, 
you'll see why. Because the game is missing the last third of the game. There's, like, no resolution to the story. It ends at the worst cliffhanger ever. And there, mm. yeah, there, there probably won't be a Metal Gear Solid 6. You know, Kojima is... He's in this horrible limbo of he's on vacation, like in the Forrest Gump sense, yeah. and, and may never come back, probably never coming back. But he's been on vacation for like three and a half months now. So uh, I don't know if, you know, Konami has like locked him in a closet or put him in a straitjacket or something, but the guy has been, you know, legally bound and gagged. Yeah, wasn't he banned from attending the VGAs? Yeah, dude was not, like, allowed to enter. He um, he answered over Twitter, you know, saying thank you very much for all of this. The only guy associated with the project that could be there to attend was Kiefer Sutherland, the voice of Solid Snake. <laughs> punished Snake, whichever snake is in this game. Yeah. And, um, and I don't know, that, that really bummed me out, you know, that this guy who has changed the way that we play video games, you know, like, he created the stealth genre, and Yeah, he, he can't accept the award for, you know, like, uh, uh, an entire genre that he created. That that feels like the worst kind of injustice, but such is the times we live in. Wow, yeah. So, uh, best RPG, uh, that again went to The Witcher 3, you know, they, uh, they decided to classify it as an RPG. Uh, it has RPG progression aspects. I don't know if I'd almost yeah. call it like a third-person action uh, style game, but if they'd classified it as that, it would have beat Metal Gear Solid Five. So <laughs> I'm glad they uh, they went with the RPG classification. Yeah. Okay. Uh, best family title went to Mario Maker, and this one felt like a shoe in. Like yeah. Nintendo yeah. has a monopoly on the uh, the family-friendly American living room, and um, being able to make your own Mario levels, you know, something that people have dreamed about since the '90s. Like, yeah, that, that's going to make some waves. Yeah. And people really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Great YouTube content to come out of there. Yeah. All right, so that leads us into the last uh, category that we're going to cover for 2015 Game of the Year. The most anticipated title of 2016. Now, I have my own answer for this, but uh, according to these people, you know, in the votes, whatever video game academy they take their information from, uh, the most anticipated title of 2016 is No Man's Sky. So, that game is developed by Hello Games. It's coming out on PlayStation 4 and, I think, PC. And we still don't have a firm release date on it. They've said yeah. 2016 asterisks. Yeah, I've seen it sliding around a lot. Yeah. And it looks good, you know. It it looks like it's delivering the idea that space and people have had for a long time of, like, I want to be able to fly my ship and land on a planet in a seamless experience get out from my ship, walk around that planet, and then take off and go back into space. Yeah. Like, they want, you know, a true space exploration simulator. Yeah. And it sounds like it's going to do that. Like, they've talked about, you know, worlds will be randomly generated on individual users' PlayStations, but then they will go out to the cloud, and it will form a persistent universe there. That, oh, wow. Yeah, that you can visit on other PlayStations. And, cool. uh, and that... That really seems like that's a clever way of going about it because other people have tried, you know, the procedurally generated universe before mm -hmm. of just, you know, making a random world every time you see it. And yeah. what ends up happening there is that you kind of see the threads of how this thing is made. You know, you get yes. similar monster types or similar creature types and very um, samey feeling worlds. Yeah, that's, uh, that's you know, even for a game like uh, EVE, which mm -hmm. everything, every star and planet, and uh, it's all programmed and designed in there, mm -hmm. you get a lot of repetition. Yeah. And so hopefully we won't get that with, with No Man's Sky. Yep. 
Yeah, I think there are other titles that might have been a little more fitting for, you know, most anticipated. Uh, I think deep down, this great-looking uh, game, kind of in the vein of Eternal Darkness, that was on GameCube. You know, you kind of play through history as different people hmm. and uh, and follow the same thread of a storyline. That one's been, you know, perpetually in development hell for like three or four years. Um, if it was just my own uh, personal thing, I would say The Last Guardian. Yeah. That is also what I was going to say. Uh, that This game is one that I think I saw uh, previews of it mm-hmm. years ago at Ooh, this point. Yeah, it's supposed to be a PS3 title. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and I have been looking forward to it uh, for a long time. Yep. So. Yeah, that's from the people who made uh, Shadow of the Colossus. Yes. Which... That game, you'll hear that title again next week when we talk about, uh, you know, our top five games for PlayStation 2 backwards compatibility. Yeah. That title is, Definitely. like, solidly in there. So this is, you know, a game that's been 10 years in the making, practically. I mean, I remember seeing um, teaser images for it when I still lived in Japan in 2006. Like, it's yeah. that long coming, and it's finally yeah. here. Like, you know, they're finally showing gameplay videos of it. That's my most anticipated title of next year. I think that's one that's going to age well, and we'll still talk about it for decades to come. Maybe so. All right, so every week we're going to end with a question to our community and see what your guys' thoughts are. And you can answer this question either at our subreddit at slash r slash r2 underscore gaming, or you can uh, submit it to us on our web form at our website. This week's question is, what top five PlayStation 2 titles are you excited to play again once backwards compatibility comes around? Thanks for listening to RT Gaming this week. We are out.